The Dr. Taz Show. The podcast, Dr. Taz. Superwoman Wellness. Here's Dr. Taz. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Superwoman Wellness, where you know that every episode of this show, I am determined to bring you back to your superpower self. That's why I am so excited to welcome Drew Manning to the show. Drew Manning, if you have not heard of him and have been under a rock, is a New York Times bestselling author of the book, Fit to Fat, wait, I'm going to mess this up, Fit to Fat to Fit. You did that on purpose, didn't you? And is best known for his fittofattofit.com experiment that went viral online. He's been featured on shows like Dr. Oz, Good Morning America, The View, and many more. His experiment has become a hit TV show, congratulations, called Fit to Fat to Fit, airing on A&E and Lifetime, and his new book, Complete Keto, is available now. Welcome to the show, Drew. We're thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much, Dr. Taz. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I can't wait to hear all about this (laughs) because I don't know about your experiment, and I'm going to want to hear about it because not a day goes by where I don't have somebody complaining about their weight, how they look, the fact that they're gaining weight around their belly or their back or wherever else. And, you know, as a physician, I'm always digging into numbers and macros and all these other different things and their hormones. But but you ran an experiment and I'm so curious as to what you have found because I've had some other thoughts about why we're dealing with this sort of epidemic across the board. So tell us about it. Yeah, so this I did back in 2011. So it was a long time ago. But basically, in a nutshell, what happened was I grew up in a family of 11 brothers and sisters, and we all played sports. I played football and wrestling. So my entire life, I was in shape. I was healthy. I was fit. I exercised a lot. And then I uh, transitioned into becoming a trainer. And here I was, someone who had never been overweight a day in their life, trying to help someone who had been overweight pretty much every single day of their life. And there was an obvious disconnect. I couldn't understand why it was so hard for my clients just to do what I told them to do. I'm like, here's your meal plans, here's your workouts, you just do it, you put down the junk food, you go to the gym, boom, you see results, why is it so hard? And uh, they would tell me, you know, Drew, you don't understand, you know, you've always been in shape, for you it's easy. And so I kind of took that to heart. As a trainer, I'm like, okay, maybe there's something I need to learn. And so I was thinking of ideas and this idea and it sounds crazy of getting fat on purpose. It felt like it was a calling for me to do. And I know huh. it's extreme. It's it's risky. It's crazy. But I felt like it was something I was being called to do. So the idea of fit to fat to fit in a nutshell was six months, no exercise, eat a standard American diet, okay. see what happens to my body and my mind. And then the next six months, walk the walk, put my money where my mouth is and show people, okay, here I am, 75. I gained 76 pounds at my heaviest. Here I am, 76 pounds overweight, pure fat, and I have to lose this weight. Let's do this together. And so to make a long story short, I went through this whole process. It was the most humbling thing I've ever done. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. Wow. I came out of it a more empathetic person. I realized yeah. just, how, just how wrong I was when it came to transformation and helping people. Mm-hmm. And it really opened up my eyes and gave me new perspective. Wow. So first question I want to ask is, was it fun to gain weight, <laughs> to eat whatever you want? <laughs> was there any joy in that at all or not really? It was How did you for, gain weight? I'm curious too. How did you gain weight? Yeah, it was fun for about a month. Okay. After after a month, I got, I got sick of the food. I got sick of the way I felt. Uh, but yes, there was an element of fun in the beginning. And if you go back and watch my old YouTube videos, you will yeah. see that <laughs> for sure. Um, and And here's the thing. I was eating... I didn't do uh, supersize me like Morgan Spurlock, where he ate 
McDonald's or fast food. I focus on everyday American foods that we, a lot of Americans grew up with in the 70s and 80s, like sugary cereal and Mm -hmm. white bread and white pasta and juices and and sodas and chips and cookies and crackers, all these cheap uh, American processed foods that we have that are super affordable. They're convenient. And I'll be honest with you, they taste really, really good. And it's hard to stop eating them. So I ate that for six months. And yes, the, the weight piled on pretty quickly, 75 pounds in six months, which was wow. definitely crazy. <laughs> well, all jokes aside, you know, you know, for most of us that have walked the walk for a while, like there is very little joy in eating those foods. It's usually, you know, you might get it for a second and then you're over it. You're yeah. like, where's my healthy stuff in my kitchen? Cause I can't do this anymore. But, but what did you, so what is going on? I think that's the question I want to ask. What's going on? So we know it's easy to gain weight. You gained mm-hmm. 75 pounds in six months. You ate processed food. You ate sounds like convenience foods, those type of things. You didn't work out. I'm assuming you were relatively sedentary. So you gained all that weight. But what happened after that? What was the transition to losing weight? It, it's not as easy as calories in, calories out. <laughs> Once those fat cells, at least in my experience, once they get used to, it's almost like a, a drug. Once they get used to it, it's really hard to turn it around. Tell us what your experience was. This was one of the most humbling experiences during my journey was transitioning from eating Cinnamon Toast Crunch and Mountain Dew every single day for six months to you know, now eating real food. The first two weeks of going back to eating real food sucked really bad. And, and here I was, a proponent of living healthy lifestyle, excited to get my body back, experiencing these withdrawal symptoms that I've never experienced before. And it finally clicked for me. This is what my clients have been telling me when I would give them a meal plan and say, hey, here's your meal plan. Eat this food. Be perfect with it. I didn't realize how powerful the emotional connection to food really was until I went through this experience myself. And that's where the empathy came from, where I realized the emotional connection to food that we have, especially with those types of foods that are hyper palatable, um, was so surprising to me. It was like I was getting off of a drug, and um, it like it was like my body was addicted because I, I my body wanted the high it got from those foods for the past six months. And here I was eating broccoli and kale and spinach and chicken and all of these healthy foods that we know we're supposed to eat, but feeling miserable, feeling awful because my body was fighting back in a sense, and it wanted the high that it had gotten from those foods for the past six months. And it was a very humbling thing. And I, I finally realized what my clients have been telling me. And that's what was the powerful, uh, one of the most powerful experiences from this whole journey was. And now having gone through that, it does get easier as mm-hmm. your body adjusts, but um, it, it does get easier over time, but people need to give their body time to adjust. And they have to understand that, um, you know, when they make a big transition like that, going from eating junk food and processed food to eating real healthy food, sometimes we think that transition is going to be so easy and are, we're going to feel great right away. And that wasn't the case for me and for a lot of other people out there. That's why they get stuck going back to their sodas and going back to their, you know, whatever their foods are that kind of keep them from living a healthy lifestyle because that becomes their comfort zone. And so that was a very eye-opening experience for me. Wow. Is there a way, because I feel for some of these patients, you know, and for some of these people that I meet and, you know, I wish there was a pill I could give them that could turn it off (laughs) or turn it around where that emotional connection at least would go away and they would stay motivated and stay sort of like, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You'll get there. I mean, my husband walked this journey too. He was very overweight and it took him a while for that to switch. And then suddenly he started to lose weight. Just now he's like, you know, He's, he's past me now. I'm like, oh no, I need to go to the gym again. <laughs> you know, I can't keep up. But anyhow, um, you know, but 
but how do we help people? Because everyone has to realize things on, on their own, but how do we help bridge that for folks? How do we help them get there a little bit faster? Yeah, I think it's helping them uh, build their self-awareness. Once you have self-awareness and realize what these what these triggers are coming from, right? So uh, uh, the emotional connection to food, where a lot of us emotionally eat. And for some people, we grew up as a self-defense mechanism with some type of trauma or emotional challenges, we cover it up or distract ourselves with substances, whether that's alcohol, drugs, food, sex, all kinds of things in this world that we gravitate towards. And so some people gravitate towards food mm -hmm. as their self-defense mechanism to make them feel comfortable again, make them feel safe. And um, that's what's hard to break is that type of emotional eating. It's easy just to say, eat less and work out and put down the junk food and people try and willpower the way into doing that. But the problem is that willpower doesn't work for, I would say, 95% of the population right. because, you know, they think it should be easy, right? If I just don't eat that food, then I will get these results. And yes, it's simple in theory, but the application of it is what's very, very difficult for people. And that's what's uh, the key, in my opinion, is helping people raise that self-awareness of like, okay, let's go deep here. Let's find out what really is triggering you for, uh, eating these foods. And maybe it is some type of emotional trauma that they haven't released yet. They haven't overcome yet. They haven't worked with uh, a professional, maybe like a, a therapist or psychologist to help them overcome that. Wow. But if they could just raise their self-awareness, I think that's the biggest key and the first step into the, the direction of, of healing and making it into a true lifestyle change. I wish it were as simple as just a pill, like you said. Right. Yes, that would be so easy, but <laughs> unfortunately it doesn't exist. No, and I know I've seen this in practice. I remember clearly, I have so many stories, but one that always sticks out is a woman who um, had been coming to me for a while and she was like, I can't lose weight, I can't lose weight. She wasn't following, you know, kind of the things I wanted her to do. And her vice at the end of the day was chocolate. And she would sit with a bag of chocolate chips towards the end of the night and just eat chocolate. And yeah. so finally, it was four visits in, five visits in, she breaks down crying and she's like, I eat chocolate because I really miss my husband. And she had been widowed about a year or so ago. So that was like her comfort. That was her yeah. response. That was her way of dealing with that. So it's so true for so many people that they can't make that connection yeah. as to why they engage in the behavior that we do. So even for me, I've like very much shifted in, how can we make you feel good? How can yeah. we bring self-awareness and how can we make you feel better about yourself, maybe heal past stuff? Are there particular self-awareness tools that you like more when it comes to weight and fitness than others or not necessarily? No, I'm a huge fan and proponent of a couple things. And this is what's highlighted in my new book, Complete Keto. Yeah which is definitely a physical transformation approach with the ketogenic lifestyle. But on top of that, I add, I add in these emotional tools to help people build that self-awareness. So one of the things I do is I add in meditation mm -hmm. um, to their daily meal plans and workouts, just like their, you know, the checklist of things they need to do and what meditation does. And, and this is why, you know, for some people it can be, um, a little bit hard for them to understand how to meditate and here in the western world we're not really used to it. it's becoming right. more mainstream but right. what I feel that does is it helps the the person become the observer of their thoughts rather than becoming their thoughts and if you can take a step back and become the observer of your thoughts then you're more mindful in those situations where normally you would react because you're stressed out or there's some type of uh, emotional trigger for you to go eat that food and then you're not really thinking you're not really aware of what's going on but meditation can help build that, um, that observer mentality where you're able to take a step back and say, okay, these emotions are coming up. 
this is what it's stemming from. It's making me want to eat this chocolate or whatever this food is. And instead, I can just sit back and observe instead of, um, you know, react like we normally would in a normal situation. And so that's why I add meditation. The other thing is positive affirmations. And if I'm a big believer in yeah. saying positive words to yourself about yourself, because so many of us probably didn't grow up hearing those words spoken to us. And then until we start saying that stuff to ourselves, those positive things, even if we don't believe it at first, there's power in saying uh, words to yourself. Um, and so I, I'm a big believer in positive affirmations as well. That's in my book as well to help people, you know, like you said, feel a little bit better about themselves and yeah. just saying those positive things on a daily basis can make a big difference. And, and, you know, for anyone out there listening, we know that saying these positive things rewires your brain. The science yes. is there. We see your brain literally change as your brain gets accustomed to hearing positive messages. So how long did it take you to lose the weight that you gained, the 75 pounds? Uh, six months to lose it, six months to gain it. So that was my uh, goal, my idea of doing six of months. Of doing the whole months. thing. And yeah. then you've written this new book, Complete Keto. I want to talk about that. So many people yeah. are interested in keto, confused by keto, you know, <laughs> trying to figure out what the right way is. What has your experience been with keto? Do you like it? Who is it for? What's the right way to do it? So many questions. I could probably keep you here yeah. for another hour. <laughs> so. That's okay. I'll keep it short. So I'm a huge fan of the ketogenic diet just because I did my own experiment with it about four and a half years ago. And this is what I fell in love with, with the keto diet. I didn't lose any weight. I didn't lose any fat. That wasn't my goal. Um, for me, it was the mental clarity that mm. I got from running on ketones, which I've never experienced before until I did the ketogenic diet. So I loved the way my brain felt on keto. And the second thing was that I went from eating, you know, six small meals a day and Tupperware containers, lots of protein and, you know, the typical kind yeah. of bodybuilder diet to eating once or twice a day. My brain felt so sharp. My uh, appetite was, um, you know, I didn't have to eat all day long. I wasn't a slave to food anymore. And my digestion was so much better, you know, and I still had energy to go work out in the gym. And here I was eating, you know, two meals a day at the most versus six meals. And so that's what I loved about the ketogenic diet for me personally. Now, when it comes to keto now, it definitely can be very confusing because, okay, what are the, my macros? You know, how do I get into ketosis? How do I test for ketones? Um, you know, what's the keto flu? There's so many questions about the right. ketogenic diet. I do believe there's a right way and wrong way to do every single popular diet out right. there, whether that's a vegan or vegetarian or keto. So I recommend people do your research first. Obviously, my book is a good place to start, um, but there's tons of podcasts and books out there as well. Just do your research first so you know what you're getting into instead of just thinking, okay, keto, uh, butter, bacon, and cheese all day long. <laughs> you know, there's right. more to it than that. Right. So, you know, is, is there a certain type of person you would say should not be on keto, especially with the lipid debate? I guess let, let me just cut straight to the yeah. cut straight to the chase there. What do you think about keto and the whole debate on it raising your lipids and it's not for the person with the cardiovascular history or yeah. those type of things? What's your thought there? That's a good question. So here's the thing. I think from an evolutionary standpoint, you know, our ancestors didn't purposely go into ketosis. They right. ate what was available to them. So sometimes right. that was animal meats or products. And other times they had lots of produce and fruits and vegetables. Um, I feel like from an evolutionary standpoint, you know, we, uh, every human has or has or had the ability to dip into a state of ketosis to for backup fuel for our bodies so that we could survive more than a day without glucose, right? Mm -hmm. Nowadays, now that we have access to food on demand, pretty much anywhere you go, you have to go out of your way to find ways to get into ketosis because 
our society is so heavily dependent on carbohydrates. Yeah, we overconsume carbohydrates. So, um, you know, when it comes to lipids and things like that, I definitely highly recommend working with your doctor, but find a doctor that understands what keto is because mm-hmm. I feel like there's still some negative um, connotations when it comes to saturated fat high fat diets, right? because we've been so <laughs> ingrained with this mentality that fat is bad, salt is bad, and you shouldn't eat that food because your lipids, your cholesterol will go up. And right. I just I just feel like, man, that's, that's that's not the case from an evolutionary standpoint. I feel like we've always had, um, you know, no problems with, with uh, you know, animal products or, or high fat foods in general. Um, and so I feel like if you are a person out there that is worried about it, definitely talk to your doctor, find a doctor that understands keto. Um, and then get tested on a regular basis. That's what I'm a huge proponent of is finding out what works best for you, but you got to do some experimenting. You got to become your own self-experimentation. Got you. And then do you have some general rules um, that you would like people to follow that are on the keto diet or not necessarily? Yes. For me and my book, Complete Keto, so all the recipes are dairy-free and nut-free, and it's a 30-day program. Nothing wrong is, is, is wrong necessarily with dairy or nuts, but the problem that people make is they think keto is, you know, just cheese and bacon all day long, and then they tend to overconsume dairy products, and they tend to overconsume nuts because right. they're so easy to overconsume, right? So I, I went with a dairy-free, nut-free, whole food approach to keto instead of the, the processed, lazy keto version that some people gravitate towards. I'm not a big proponent of that. Like, you know, like I said, bacon and cheese all day long. For me, um, it's more of a whole foods approach, and that's probably the right way to do any diet, uh, whether it's keto or paleo or vegan. Uh, the problem is that we gravitate sometimes towards the easiest The approach. easiest solution, <laughs> yeah. right. And then, and then electrolytes. Electrolytes, sodium, potassium, yes. magnesium you need on the ketogenic diet. Gotcha. And then ha- is there a length of time? Do keto for three weeks? Do keto for a month? What do you think? So here's the thing. We're so glucose adapted, and we've been glucose adapted our whole life. I recommend 30 days minimum to allow your body time to adapt to this new way of eating, this new fuel source for your brain, your muscles, your organs. So 30 days minimum, allow your body to become keto adapted. And then from there, learn how to cycle in and out of ketosis. Our bodies are are made to go off of both fuels. So feel free to dip in and out of ketosis, but it takes time to get adapted. Once Mm -hmm. you get adapted, then you can play around with carbohydrate intake and protein intake and, you know, how often you should, or how long you should stay in ketosis for. I have a whole section of my book about that, about what to do after the 30 days to find what's the best path for you after keto. Wonderful. Well, all really great information. You know, we could probably talk about keto and weight for for hours on end. It's such an issue and everyone gets so confused by it and gets frustrated by it, quite honestly. But if anybody watching today wants to connect with you or wants to get more information, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, super simple. All my social media, my website, my podcasts are fit number two, fat number two, fit, fit to fat to fit. I know it's hard to say, but it's easy to type. And that's all. You can just Google that or you'll find all my social media and websites uh, using that handle. Wonderful. Well, thank you for taking the time out today to tell us about your amazing journey, your experiment, and then your new book, (laughs) The Complete Keto, which is available where books are sold anywhere, I'm assuming, correct? Yes. So thank you again. I know so many people have questions about these topics. And if you're out there and really struggling with your weight and getting frustrated, I think Drew's experiment is just testament to the fact that just stick with it, really find those inner tools to be self-aware and identify what some of those triggers are, and you will see the light at the end of the tunnel. 
don't give up. Just stay, stay on track and use people like us to keep you motivated for sure. For everybody else, thank you so much for watching this episode of Superwoman Wellness, which is now on Spotify as well. So if you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review it and share it with our friends. I will see you guys next time.